Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Broncos country. Let's ride with Touchdown Denver. Touchdown Denver. Hosted by Nick Ferguson and George Stoya. Touchdown Denver. All right, everybody, welcome into another episode of Touchdown Denver. I'm George Stoy with the Denver Gazette, here with my good friend Nick Ferguson. Nick, how you doing? Did you survive the uh, snowstorm out there? Yes, I survived, George. Uh, I still have to do some uh, some house maintenance, which means as though I have to go outside and shovel. But guess what? I have what they call human plows. And what I mean by that are my kids, right? They're going to get outside and they're going to move some snow uh from the sidewalk and our neighbor's sidewalk and driveway so it's a great day for me but for them they may hate it yeah i uh i don't have to do any of that so i didn't move yesterday uh from my apartments because um you know i don't have anywhere i didn't have anywhere to be and so uh uh i have not left the the uh the my living room really in my bedroom so um it's been great i know it's supposed to get a little bit better today but uh, I like I like the snow, but I don't like being out in it, Nick. So, uh, so I don't. So, so, so if I were to come over to your dwellings, I would see like house slippers and tater chip bags yeah. and all this stuff. Well, no, I don't eat chips. You know, I'm on a diet. I'm on a diet. I've been really watching what I eat, Nick. Uh, you'd see banana peels. Um, <laughs> not a lot of vegetables. I say I'm on a diet. I hate vegetables, so I don't eat a whole lot of vegetables. But uh, no potato chips. I've been I've been trying to cut that stuff out, but. I watched a lot of uh, Andor. I don't know if you're a big Star Wars guy. I know you're a big Star Wars guy. You're yeah, literally wearing a Stormtroopers hat. I don't know if you've seen Andor. I finally got around to watching it. It's. I think it might be the best thing that Star Wars has made during my lifetime. Wow. You know You know that, that saying a lot. My wife and my kids uh, love it. And, of course, with me being a Star Wars fan, when Andor came out, yes, we watched it. It's kind of like one of these things that we do in, our, in my house every time it comes out. We are sitting watching it no matter uh, what. But I, I think that's kind of interesting that you say that Andor is probably the best thing. I, I'm I'm thinking about Mandalorian, right? That's kind of the best it, thing. That it's right, it's right there with Mandalorian. I, I when Mandalorian came out, I was like, this is the best thing Star Wars has made. And then Andor, I watched Andor and I was like, this might be the best thing. It, it's, they're right, they're right there. How, how? listen. I'm trying to figure out how you figure that Andor is, is, is equivalent or even better than Mandalorian. There, there's, I know both are character-based driven, but then we don't see Mandalorians. We don't see Jedis in Andor. We don't see any of that. Yeah, but it's the the storyline and all the backstory. Like It connects so much to Rogue One and, and, and the Rebellion, and, and I like seeing the behind the scenes behind all that. I, I, I don't know. I just I love the plot, and uh, I think it's very interesting and the way that they set it up and I don't know the different characters. I, I just, I loved it. I, I loved it so much that last night I finished it up and then I immediately put on Rogue One, which I think Rogue One is the best movie they've made uh, probably since, I don't know, episode six, I would probably say. Uh, so I don't know. I, I, I loved it. Anyways, I had to say that, Nick, because 
I didn't do anything yesterday, so I binge watched the entire show. <laughs> but, um, you, but you know what? Speaking of Rogue One, there happens to be a, a Rogue One when it comes to the Broncos uh, coaching search, and that Rogue One happens to be one Sean Payton. I was going to say the Broncos are looking for a new emperor. That's nice, good too. Nice. I like a good transition here. Anyways, yeah. yes, Sean Payton. Lots of lots of uh, smoke out there about him. Obviously, he interviewed Nick uh, on Tuesday for the job, along with uh, Raheem Morris. What What do you think of, of Sean Payton? The, the smoke out there. There's a lot of talk of oh, it's going to cost him two first round picks to get Sean Payton. Oh, it's going to cost him you know twenty million to twenty five million dollars per year to get Sean Payton. What do you think of? Uh, I guess some of the rumors circulating around about Sean Payton? I feel as those rumors are absolutely correct when you think about the situation at hand. Knowing as though Sean Payton will not be released from his contractual obligations with the New Orleans Saints until 2024, and the Saints are saying, hey, man, play the game. Go see as many teams as you can because the more teams Sean Payton goes on interviews with, it makes life great for the New Orleans Saints and their fan base. And Sean Payton, a guy who spent 15 years in this league, and he's had an opportunity to make a trip to the Super Bowl, and his offenses uh, statistically have put up great numbers. Yes, a lot of offensive teams or teams in general want that type of offensive prowess in their organization. And it's going to take not one, but two first-round picks to acquire him because there's so many teams vying for him. The Denver Broncos are not the only team. You have uh, the Arizona Cardinals who now have a new G GM and they want someone to help Kyler Murray move along. And then also the Carolina Panthers. That organization has been in total disarray since they gave Matt Rule this ridiculous contract where they're still paying him, even though he's coaching at Nebraska. So yes, the numbers for Sean Payton are definitely going to go up. And as they say, where there's smoke, there's definitely fire. Do you think he's worth two first-round picks, Nick? For me personally, um, no, right? And when I, the reason I say that, because I'm looking at the Broncos situation. Maybe if I were one of the other teams I named, the Panthers or the Cardinals, yes, because all those teams are in desperation mode, including the Houston Texans. They, they would give up three first-rounders, believe it or not, for uh, Sean Payton because Nick Casario – I mean, I don't know if he knows what he is doing, but the Houston fans, doesn't. they don't really think he knows what he's doing. But, yeah, that, that's kind of the going rate for the teams who are really desperate. As it pertains to the Broncos, no, because look at how many guys are, are going to be uh, free agents this season, how many holes that you're going to have to plug. You're going to need that, that draft capital. The only way you maneuver around that, George, is that you go out and your scouts, your pro scouts do a great job of finding diamonds in the rough. And that means free agent guys. And I know it sounds crazy because when a guy is a free agent, especially on the offensive line, typically those teams don't allow those players to get out of that, whatever team they're on, because they say, well, we want to keep our guys. We want to keep our impact players. So they're going to have to do a lot to try to build this team. If they're looking to acquire Sean Payton and the asking tag is to first round picks. Yeah. It just seems like a lot to give up for a guy that, Look, he yeah, he was a very successful football coach. We all know that. I think he's very highly regarded. But he also left the Saints. Uh, they they weren't great when he left. And yeah, he did win a Super Bowl, but it was a while ago. 
Um, so I, I, I think it's a lot to give up for a guy when you can maybe go out and get somebody that's obviously a lot cheaper and you don't have to give up any draft capital. It's going to be interesting to see, Nick, because it, the power is kind of all in Sean Payton's hand, right? Because if, you know, if he goes to the Saints and says, well, I'm not going anywhere but the Broncos, then the Saints have to work with the Broncos. But let's say he goes to the Saints and says, hey, I like the Broncos and the Panthers. Whichever one you can get the best deal for, that's where I'll go to be the head coach. I don't think that's the way it'll work, but Sean Payton definitely controls the situation here. He could also just say, hey, I don't like any of these teams. I prefer to sit another year and wait for the next cycle. So it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with Sean Payton. But, Nick, I, I wanted to ask you a little bit. Obviously, like I said, he interviewed on Tuesday. Uh, they have, they have two interviews left. D'Amico Ryan's 49ers defensive coordinator is going to interview today. Uh, Dan Quinn, Cowboys defensive coordinator, is going to interview tomorrow on Friday. Uh, Nick, I wanted to talk to you, and we talked about this a little bit when the coaching search first started, but what do you think is being asked in some of these interviews? And, and you know, I, I think it's it's an interesting topic because every interview probably has the same sort of questions, but then there's also certain guys that get different questions, right? Like a Dan Quinn's going to get a different question than a Sean Payton, right? I, I would think in some of these processes. But uh, what do you think is being asked? And what, what would you maybe ask? in some of these interviews, especially as we get to the second round uh, of interviews, which should start, I would guess, next week. Well, let's start with uh, Sean Payton because we just finished uh, talking about him. So if Sean Payton comes in, you know what he's been able to do with Drew Brees. So my question is, okay, well, Drew Brees was a true pocket passer. Russell Wilson isn't. And based on your system in previous years, that that's kind of been your go-to move if you want to consider that. So what are you going to do with Russell? Because he and Drew Brees are two different uh, types of quarterbacks. Also, if you came in here and you were hired as a head coach, who is your defensive coordinator? Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Oh, you, you want to bring in Vic Fangio. What happens if you bring Vic Fangio in here? We know that he's been here already. We have our issue with our fan base, which we're trying to, you know, really kind of boost that fan base and their love for this team and this organization. We don't want to bring them down, but you want to bring in Vic Fangio. What if we don't want you to bring in Vic Fangio? What if the guys on defense in the locker room, they don't want you to bring in Vic Fangio? Who would you bring in as your defensive coordinator? How would you fix this offensive line? What's the first thing that you would do when it comes to looking at Dalton Rise on the contract? Are you bringing him back? How do you view Lloyd Cushenberry? And when you look at the right tackle position, a position that the Broncos haven't been able to fill, what are you going to do in that particular position? Now, let's switch to Dan Quinn for a second. Well, Dan Quinn, we interviewed you last year. Well, George interviewed, interviewed you last year. Well, what has changed from last year to this year for you? And what do you plan to do for this offense? I know you're a defensive-minded person, but we need someone to come in here and make sure that our offense can look all, all season long like they looked the past two games, scoring over 24 points. Now, D'Amico Ryans, you are uh, a first, would be a first-year head coach. What would you do and establish in your first year as a head coach from a culture standpoint? Because over the past couple of years, we've had problems with culture and accountability in our locker room. So how do you plan to fix it? So that's how, if I'm interviewing each one of these coaches, that's kind of my idea how I would go down the gamut of questions for each individual coach. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a again, we've got to have Nick Ferguson in the interview room. I think that that's what we've learned these last couple of weeks. I'm just saying, put me in there, George. 
Yeah, I, I think too, I, you know, I would also ask, especially some of these coaches that have been head coaches before, you know, what did you learn during those instances? Uh, and what would you, you know, uh, do differently? Uh, obviously, is one I would ask. I mean, Sean Payton, nobody really talks about it, but let's not forget he was suspended a year uh, yeah. for the Bounty Gate situation. I think you have to ask him about that. What happened there? Uh, how do you, you know, obviously avoid that uh, in Denver? Um, you know, things like that. Uh, I think you asked Dan Quinn about, uh, you know, going to the Super Bowl and then that that team kind of falling apart in the following years. What happened? How do you how do you fix that? How do you not let that happen again? Uh, like there, there's there, there's some difficult questions in there, Nick, for these, you know, for Greg Pinner, George Payton, Condoleezza Rice. It sounds like those three are kind of the ones leading this thing. Uh, those three to ask. I do ask, though, Nick, before we take a break, what do you think some of these coaches are asking the Broncos ownership group and, and George Payton, what do you think? Cause it, this isn't just a uh, one way interview, right? Uh, Sean yeah. Payton wants to know more about the Broncos, Dan Quinn, but these, these guys want to know more about what they're getting into uh, when they're, before they come to Denver. So what do you think they're asking this ownership group? Oh, the first question I'm asking is how long are you, you going to actually give me? Right. Because when you look at the Broncos coach in history, guys haven't lasted that long. Nathaniel Hackett lasted one season. So you're asking, well, what's the leash? What's the leeway that you're going to actually give me? Because as we start and we embark on this mission, it may be a slow grind. It may not look the way everyone wants it to look out of the gate. So are are you going to turn on me? Will you be there for me at the end? Will you listen to the fans as they start to boo and they do all all these other things they did with Hackett? And then you tell me, well, I don't think this is working out. That's what I want to know. We know they're going to get paid either way. No matter whatever guy they, they, they choose, one's going to get paid more than the other based on prior experience. But I want to know, how, how much time do I have? How much time are you going to give me? Yeah, I, I think that that's the number one question. Obviously, salary will come into play. I don't think that that's something they're asking in the first interview. But uh, maybe Sean Payton is, since that number has been starting to float around around $20 million per year, which is just crazy number but um, uh, you know I think they also want to know about you know the ownership and, and why they got into this why they buy the team what do they see as the long-term future for you know things like uh, I don't know even the stadium and, and facilities and um, you know how dedicated are they to this I, I think that that would be my biggest question is because they are a new ownership group and we don't know a whole lot about them uh, I think I'd also ask about Nathaniel Hackett I mean they and like you said kind of how long are you giving me? Because you gave the last guy 15 games uh, and he was out the door. So, uh, and I think I'd ask about what's the Russell Wilson situation. You know, if, if he goes out and he doesn't play great next year, what's your level of commitment to him after the next season? You know, things like that, that I think need to be asked and be, need to be upfront and frank about uh, in these interviews. So it's definitely interesting, Nick. I wish I could be a fly on the wall in some of these because I can only imagine what's being discussed and I'm sure these interviews are going two, three, four hours long sometimes. Uh, and obviously I think that they're, they're going to go maybe even longer next week when they get down to maybe a, you know, a group of two or three finalists. Um, so definitely interesting stuff, Nick, we got to take a break. Uh, and then let's get into uh, a little bit more about these last two candidates to interview D'Amico Ryan's and Dan Quinn, obviously they're going to be going up against each other this yes, weekend in the divisional round. So let's take a quick break and then we'll dive into those two guys. 